Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 156 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. We took a week off. We're back. We're refreshed. It is mid-February. I cannot believe. As refreshed as we can be. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Joshua is actually probably not as refreshed as I am because I just finished the football season in terms of the NFL. So I'm finally getting a chance to breathe while Joshua has started his new job and he's now diving in and it's like every day is nonstop, right? It is nonstop. I mean, today obviously was a big day with the Super Bowl and boy, do I feel bad for the old Bengals, man. Um, right. But we had that. There's NBA news every day. Every day. Uh, we talked yeah. a little bit of PGA on the show today. I mean, we're covering every topic. I know. Did you get into the uh, couple holes and ones on 16? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Waste Management Open is one of the best sporting events. If you've never been, if you're a listener and you've never been, I really encourage it. Even if you don't like golf, I for one, it's good for like golf. golf, but it's a great tournament. It really is. It really is. Just like how NASCAR's kind of expanded and done some cool things. That's what, you know, golf is trying to do still is kind of still have those tournaments and things that aren't traditional, um, mm-hmm. which can always draw in the uh, not average viewer when it comes to those. Sports. Yeah. So I mean, the thing good. about, um, you know, was it the Phoenix Open waste management deal? Um, is it's rowdy. It's like going to yeah. a college football game. You know, they're yep. they're taking their shirts off and people are throwing beer out on the course. Yeah. And it's like anti golf. But yeah. if you're somebody like me, and my dad used to tell me growing up, because my dad loves golfing, he's like, You're too loud to be on a golf course. I can't take you out on the golf course with <laughs> And now it's like I get to I watch that and it's like, okay, like I know that this is not how every golf course is or how every golf event is, but just the fact that there is one that is on a big stage where it feels like just regular people excited to watch golf is like, okay, I can get with this. Yeah. It, that's what I, I think you just have to in, in the sports that aren't NFL, NBA, you really have to do things out of the norm sometimes and have those type of tournaments or have those type of races uh, to bring in some more eyes. And I think it's really a healthy thing to do because you never know, maybe you'll capture one to two extra fans that you never thought you'd get before, right? Uh, just because That's exactly they what this is doing. Something. It is. It really is. And I, mean, I, I honestly, Joshua, to tell you the truth, I have always like – I've covered golf throughout my whole career at a smaller level, but then when I got to Arizona in Tucson, they actually used to have a PGA event called Match Play, and I covered Match Play two years in a row, and I fell in love with covering golf because of the access, and Mm -hmm. really, fans have the same access as we do as media people for the most part, 
um, you're right there with the golfers and you just feel kind of special. It's kind of like your own VIP treatment. Like if you were at an NBA game courtside or at an NFL game down on the field, that's kind of like how golf is if you're just a casual fan going to a tournament. So that's why I love covering it. Yeah. And I mean, from being around um, the Memorial and everything yeah. in Dublin, yep. like, yep. you know, I've been to the parties and, been out on the course just a little bit, but you know, it is very engaging experience and um, just, it's a lot of fun. Like you watch people that say, I'm going to follow X, Y, or Z golfer all day. Yeah. Oh and yeah. They make a day of it. And it's like the most exciting thing you can do because you can get pretty up close and personal. Like you said, it almost feels like you got a press pass down there. Yeah. Like you're sitting courtside, right. um, you know, so it, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of potential in golf. It just feels very, um, I mean, it's a sport that not everybody can be involved in in the first place just based off of sheer cost of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's definitely tough where it's exclusive from that regard. But just like it always felt like a very stuffy old man sport. And now it's starting to break out of that mode a little bit. Like you got golfers who are petty um, and and getting into feuds and stuff. And I think that's great for the sport, honestly. I do too. And I'll just tell you this right now. When Tiger's son goes on tour eventually – it's going to be reborn even more. So I agree with you. That kid is coming for the, that kid is coming for golf. I mean, he's going to be mannerisms are just like his daddy's too. It's crazy. Exactly. So just wait for that. Well, if you thought we were on a a golf podcast, I'm sorry. You uh, are mistaken. This is actually a college football (laughs) podcast, but we talk all sports. We talk everything but college football at this point. We really do. We really do. All right. Well, I want to start in with the Auburn drama that has now supposedly ended because Auburn says that it is keeping Brian Harson as its head coach after a lot of stuff has happened in the past couple of weeks. And I'll start with this, Joshua. If you guys aren't familiar with all of the stuff that happened, uh, you know, when the season was coming to an end, offensive coordinator Mike Bobo was let go. Uh, Derek Mason, who was mm-hmm. the defensive coordinator, who's actually Vanderbilt's head coach for most of the time I've been here. And he's um, a very good coach, I, I, I want to is. say, too. He, he is. He is. And he decided to go take a pay cut and go to Oklahoma State. $400,000 pay cut. Correct. And then yeah. recently, Austin Davis, who was replacing Bobo – decided to resign for personal reasons. So that really opened the door to a lot of chatter. And Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on out there. There's been rumors um, about, you know, maybe having an affair with this intern, which that is not proven to be anything. Just want to put that out there that none of that has been Mm -hmm. proven to be anything. I'm not saying it didn't happen. But then there was also players who had left the program who were saying some things about him that weren't flattering. Mm-hmm. When all said and done, they are not going to terminate him, um, and they're going to keep him. So that would have cost a lot of money anyway to terminate him. Yeah. So I really want to. And ask they just you, they just paid their last coach about twenty million to get out of that contract. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's an so important what, piece of context too. What do you think this decision truly was made upon? Do you really think that they trust everything? that they found with this Brian Harson incident, 
or do you think it was strictly money and we're going to just have to keep him? I, I think it was probably more of the latter yeah. than the former. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think if there was really something going on, they'd probably be able to fire him with cause. Like, if he was having an affair, that's a, a, a morality thing. I'm sure there's a, yeah. a, a clause in his contract clause. they could have fired him. Yep. If, if he was abusive toward players or abusive toward his coaching staff, I'm sure there is something in his contract that yeah. they say, okay, we're going to fire you with cause. Um, yep. Not to throw my guy under the bus, but that's kind of like the Urban Meyer deal where sure. the, the Jaguars said they were going to fire him with cause, um, you know, because of the way that he interacted with assistant coaches and players. Um, and so I think this is a situation where when they started really looking, they couldn't, they couldn't tab him with anything that says, okay, we can fire you and we won't have to pay the buyout. They probably called on the usual suspects in terms of boosters and said, hey, man, you know, I know you're probably tapped out from the last coach we just fired, uh, but I'm not exactly sure that this is our long-term solution. And they were like, all right, well, uh, I am, in fact, tapped out, so we're going to have to let this roll for at least another year or two. Sure. Let the buyout money drop or whatever the case is. I think that's probably what happened there. I do, too. I tend to agree with you on that. I just think this is not – a great future look for the program, which is disappointing considering, you know, when it comes to, I covered Auburn in my first full-time sports job in Alabama when Auburn was a really dominant program. Right. And it's a, it's a great university. It's a, it's a great fan base. I, I, I tend to go for Auburn over Alabama in terms of where I would go if I were to pick um, just based on the people but um, it just hasn't had a string of good luck, and it just continues yeah. to struggle with coaches and to putting trust in coaches. And you know, there's always something going on. There's always issues. And now with this, I don't see this being patched up and being solved overnight. I mean, maybe I don't either. He gets the right people in there and they stay, but I just don't think that this is going to be a long-term answer. I don't. Were you? Did you tell me one time that uh, that Travis went to Auburn? He did. No, oh, he's a he's a third generation Auburn grad. Okay, yeah. so what's his perspective on this? He can't even. Honestly, it's so funny because he won't even like talk to me about it because he's so over okay. it. He's so okay. over it that he is turned his attention. To college basketball, okay, yeah, and I mean, which Auburn's is not. Really good. I know this year they're a I, basketball school. I know, but like Travis has never followed college basketball to that extent. Now is and the time. now I know. Oh yeah, every Saturday <laughs> we're he's like, I'm not changing the channel. We're watching Auburn basketball. That's um, awesome, and, and I give him a hard time though because I'm like, so since when did you become this big college basketball fan? Uh, and he laughs and he just won't talk about the football thing. He's just over it. And I think a lot of fans feel the same way. And that is not. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. Is if his sentiment was, you think, kind of reflective of a lot of the fan base. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. That's absolutely. Because if you've got somebody who's like a third generation grad, who's from Opelika, Auburn area, who's grown up, you know, with the fan base and now he won't even watch and he won't even follow what's going on because he's just done with the drama like he's yeah. not the only one well i'll tell you what as soon as that attendance starts to drop then they're gonna make a move shoot yep <laughs> yep like, 
it, they don't play around about that damn almighty dollar. Oh, no. So unless they start just piling up wins and, you know, it just happens to be a, a miracle overnight, which I don't see happening, like there's going to be issues and there's going to be backlash and people are not going to be happy. And that don't fly in the SEC, especially at a big no, school like that. doesn't fly. No, it does not. So that's probably not the last time we'll talk about that. I'm sure it'll pop up again here in the future. Let's get to some new news this week, Joshua. Commissioners, uh, conference commissioners actually are going to revisit the college football playoff expansion. They're going to get together in March. Of course they are, because they want to just keep dragging this thing out. So clearly they couldn't come to a conclusion recently when they met. Um, so Sports Illustrated's uh, Ross Dellinger is, is reporting this, that they're going to meet in March. There are still some obstacles. I guess the main ones is... It, it, it involves the Pac-12 and the Rose Bowl and, you know, how this is a traditional bowl game. Okay. I, I mean, what is happening with this where the Rose Bowl just never will ever tweak one thing? Like, it Let me, let me shed some light tweak. on that. Okay. Is, you, I don't think that's just the Pac-12. And this is okay. me so are you saying it's speculating the Big Ten too? based off of some conversations. I don't think okay. it's <laughs> – just the Big Ten either. You don't think it's okay. Um, okay. No, I think that there are a lot of people in college football, other conference commissioners that are actually invested in the Rose okay. Bowl, in the tradition, and what it means to college football. And so what they're trying to situate is what does the Rose Bowl look like in an mm-hmm. expanded playoff? Like, does it, you know, like, how can they maintain as much of the pageantry and the history as possible? And I know mm-hmm. that TV networks love it, too. Like, ESPN loves to show the San Gabriel oh, Mountains yeah. back there. And, and you know, yeah. they, they love the fact that it's the, you know, Kirk Herb Street booth up yeah. there. Like, you know, this is a, a big thing for college football. And so the Pac-12 obviously is invested in it. The Big Ten's invested in it. But there are some other conferences that aren't directly invested in the Rose Bowl that I am speculating still want to see what they can do to maintain some of the tradition surrounding the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Well, I I don't, and I don't disagree with it. I mean, I've been to the Rose Bowl. You've been several times. I mean, it is really a unique place, right? And it is. is. They call it the granddaddy of the mall for a reason. For a reason. And there is a lot of tradition that comes with it. Obviously, you've got the parade also in the morning. That's a big thing that's been going on for a long time. And and I do think it's important to really keep some of the tradition in college football because a lot of it is no longer there. Yeah, I mean, it's fading quickly. It's it's fading very quickly. But I feel like there's a way to get this done, having them in the mix, like of 100% there is. Don't you? I I just think there's a way to get it done. Um, The other issue is, is that with the ACC? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So will you explain that? Because I'm myself, I'll admit to this. I'll admit when I'm a little confused on things, I'm a little confused on this situation with the ACC. Yeah. I mean, I I just think they're, they're commissioner and he's got big 10 ties. Um, He was the athletic director at Northwestern. So I I just, I think it's, you know, just more of how are we going to maintain the the structure or the the tradition that exists? I don't think it's necessarily like, you know, he is invested, yeah. you know, from X, Y, or Z standpoint. I just, I think it's, you know, that history is just that important. Um, this is not coming from anything 
that I know directly. Yeah. Um, but this is from drawing conclusions based off of how some of the rest of this has gone because the reports came out that Jim Phillips, who is the ACC commissioner, was dug in on some other issues. Um, mm-hmm. You know, namely how many teams would be in an expanded playoff and um, the number of games that would be played in the timeline and all those different things. Like he's been pretty adamant um, about saying, listen, guys, we got to stop and we got to make sure that we have uh, everything in place the way that it needs to be. And so I think if there was some other question, some other obstruction that he would have a hand in it as well. Yeah. So here's my question to you. When they meet Mm -hmm. in March, does this get done or does it just keep kind of getting delayed and there's a little progress Uh, made? I don't know if they're necessarily like in a super rush. Yeah. Because I think that they found out that the moment they say, hey, we've got this thing figured out, then everything's going to be in motion. Yep. I think they're motivated. Yeah. Um, but I'm not exactly sure this is going to be the timeline. I'd have to check with some of my sources. Oh, Joshua putting the bomb down. He's he's got to check with sources, folks. That's that's what we're sources. dealing with now. He just put <laughs> he just put on his Joe Burrow cool glasses and was like, I got to check <laughs> my sources, people. Right, hashtag sources. <laughs> All right. Well, we did not get to talk about this last week because obviously we took the week off, but I was really excited to bring this talking point up because I personally did not think this was going to happen. But Jim Harbaugh decided that he is not going to the NFL to be a he head coach. He didn't decide anything, Kayla. Ah, here, John. Okay. Let Minnesota me just build Vikings this decided. up, bro. Let oh, me build now. this up. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to steal your I was trying today. to, like, you know, get the people excited about, like, he yeah. could have possibly wanted to come back. Yeah. No, but yeah. essentially, you know, Jim Harbaugh is coming back this, this year, at least, to, to be the head coach at Michigan because, you know, he went on that Vikings job interview to be the possible mm-hmm. head coach, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it was like, oh, nope, I'm coming back. So I will let you – explain what you believe really happened. Yeah. I mean, I I think that there was mutual interest from both sides. Like, I think that this was something that I think both sides really wanted to have happen. I know that um, from reports that I've heard from people that I do trust that there were legitimate um, moves being made Mm -hmm. within Michigan's program to figure out a secession plan. It's not to say that they were ready to hire somebody. It's to say that they were, really combing through their short list of potential candidates of um, who would be a good fit for that job. And and it was a foregone conclusion for a lot of people. And and we saw it with some of the reports in the national media that Jim Harbaugh would uh, be gone, that he would take the Minnesota Vikings job. Um, And as it turns out, I guess that he might not have interviewed well, or they they thought that they had a better candidate elsewhere. And I think some of this is, this is multifaceted. And and when you start getting in the weeds on these things, it becomes super crazy because Jim Harbaugh is a very well-respected coach from Mm -hmm. an X's and O's standpoint. He's had a ton of success in the NFL. And even though people say he can't win the big one in college, like his college coaching track record is very, very good. Let's not make a mistake there. Mm -hmm. Um, The one criticism of Jim Harbaugh is that he's just difficult to work with. He's, he's got a personality that just kind of wears on you. And it's a good thing and a bad thing because that's what drives them to be successful, but it also isn't for everybody. And right. 
the the current GM of the Vikings was within the 49ers organization when Jim Harbaugh was there. He's a big fan, but part of the ownership group of the Vikings apparently um, wasn't too high on him. And I don't think that the ownership from the 49ers had rave reviews necessarily. And there were thoughts that the uh, the Vikings ultimately wanted to go with a younger, more analytic focused head coach. And so Jim Harbaugh did not get offered the job as I have come to understand it. He ended up back at Michigan, but of course there's a fallout where he had a one-year rental from his brother, John on um, Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator who did a phenomenal job there at Michigan and turning that defense around. Um, So they had to find a new defensive coordinator. And then whatever the situation was with Josh Gaddis and and some people speculate that um, he was upset that, Jim actually didn't leave in the way that it went down and he thought he was going to be the next head coach there, which he had interviewed for um, head coaching job, uh, head coaching job at Virginia. Um, There's other people that speculate that there was just a philosophical difference in opinion offensively between the two. And I'm, I would, I think that you can tell that just from what Josh Gaddis would typically run to what Michigan ran Um, And he was a Broyles award winner this year for the best assistant coach in college football. And so he departed and went to Miami to be the offensive coordinator there. So there's a lot of layers to this thing. Um, But all of it to say that he tried to call his shot. It didn't work out the way that it did. So it's a little bit of a messy situation. But when you flip it over to the Michigan aspect now and, and the fact that Josh Gaddis is no longer there and he's at Miami, I think that situation personally works out best for everybody because Josh Gaddis now gets to run something that is probably going to be like 99% his own offense. Um, And he's going to probably get a pay bump from what he was making at Michigan. Jim Harbaugh is going to be able to run something that is more of what he traditionally would run. Um, But it's, it's a hell of a situation though. Well, do you think that Jim, then is going to kind of be settled on just accepting the fact that, you know, he's going to be at Michigan for a while then and try to actually continue to, to, to build this program. And obviously that's what you always want to do, but do you think that he's going to have in the back of his mind every year? Well, maybe there's an NFL job that I'm going to leave for or Michigan wants the security. Well, of Jim sure. Harbaugh to say, yeah, he's not going to be looking around and that's big on recruiting, right? Cause the day of his interview was National Signing Day. And I know it's not as big of a deal for the February Signing Day anymore, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's still a, a fairly big deal that he would take that interview on National Signing Day just from an optics standpoint. Yeah. And so Michigan is looking for him to commit, and he says that he has. But I believe, if I had to make an assumption here, that mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh prefers the NFL game. It does yeah. not mean – that he's not invested in the college game. It does not mean he doesn't have the drive to win a championship in college. It's evident from this past season that he is obviously invested to do all those things. But the fact that he was so flagrantly flirting with an NFL opportunity tells me where his heart really lies. Um, And and that's something for him and and for the University of Michigan to figure out on their own. Yeah, that's it's going to be something where I just don't feel like you know, this is the last time we're talking about him possibly interviewing for jobs in the future. And no, unfortunately, and, and Kayla, to be fair, yeah. not to cut you off, but no, you have to understand in this situation too, like he was coaching on that incentive-based contract because nobody had belief in him and they were ready to get rid of him a year ago yeah. this time, Yeah, right? 
And mm-hmm. he he has been asking for more money for his assistant coaches so he can hire and retain better assistants. Because if you look at Michigan, they, they've turned over some guys because they wanted to get rid of some guys, but they have turned over coaches just because they wanted to leave for other opportunities, sure. right? And so if you're Jim, it's very difficult to build a program that way. It's very difficult to recruit that way. And then the other thing that I think they struggle with is Michigan is a very good academic institution. I would not go as far as saying the Harvard of the Midwest, but they are a very good school. Yep. And they don't, they can't get transfer kids in the way other schools can. They, they don't dabble in the portal. They're, they're really not allowed to. And that makes it very difficult to build a program the way that people are doing it right now. And I, I think that there's a thought process that they would like some more flexibility there. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, and there are other really good schools who do the same thing. Like, you know, Florida's a good school. They get guys in and out. Uh, Georgia's a good school. They get guys in and out. Like Michigan should be able to do the same things. But I think that those issues are in the forefront of his mind too. Like he wants to be somewhere where he thinks he can truly be successful. And he's, I think part of this process was a little bit of a leverage tactic too, to say, listen, like, I definitely want to be here. You saw the results that I can produce on a good year, but I need you guys to give me as much power as possible to make that a consistent thing. Well, I will look forward to Ohio State uh, taking care of business against him this next season. Let's just say that. You said it, not me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that will do it for this episode of Press Pass. Again, we truly appreciate you guys listening, tuning in. If you are a listener that listens to us every single week, Hey, we appreciate it. Share our podcast with those who like college football. And if you're new to the podcast, uh, make sure to subscribe. Give us a, a a like, a review, whatever you would like. And follow us on social media. Joshua Perry, where can they go to follow you? And again, Joshua is now uh, a part of Bally's regional and now national show called The Rally. So he pretty much covers it all like I do now. So we combined yes. have a lot of knowledge on our Twitter timeline. So where can they find We you? really do. We do. We they can find it. me at RIP underscore JEP. And yes, you can tune into your regional Bally network. We're on in all of the regions nationwide. Uh, we cover literally everything I was telling Caleb before we started recording. Yep. We obviously touched on the Super Bowl. We cover NBA. We got a little bit of golf in today. I mean, we've talked about tennis. We do hockey. Whatever you want to talk about, it will be on our show, and uh, we'd appreciate if you tuned in. Yes, definitely do that. You can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV. I don't really even know what's next on my schedule of following uh, or of covering, I should say. I guess it's pretty much full now hockey and college basketball season for us. So that's that's what you can look forward to on my timeline. And then, obviously, we always sprinkle in NFL and college football because that's there's always drama unfolding, right? There's yeah. always things happening. Uh, congrats to the LA Rams and congrats to Joe Burrow and the Bengals for getting to the Super Bowl. A- incredible, uh, incredible job by them this season. I don't expect it to be a, a, a thing where they're going to just fall off the map. I mean, this is a really talented team with a really talented. All right, so you want to give them some bonus content real quick? Yeah, let's do it. Just, just give the people some done. bonus content. I uh, know. So 
you said, I don't expect this to be a thing where, you know, they fall off. And I agree with you. I had this uh, debate with somebody I do the show with mm-hmm. where he's like, if you're the Bengals, you got to compete against Lamar Jackson and you got Justin Herbert in the AFC. And you got Josh Allen. Okay. And, you know, he's going through all of the quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, some really good names. Sure. And my response back simply was, well, they did it this year. And they didn't even yes. have an O-line, really, yes. to protect Joe Burrow. Which they I know they have to they fix. Have, exactly. It's special because Joe is still cheap. Jamar Chase is still cheap. Exactly. T. Higgins is still cheap. They found yep. some really good prove-it guys on defense, defense that they put on some contracts, and they have some salary cap to work around that. To me, this is a team that if they can get the offensive line together, yep. they can be back in the Super Bowl. It's going to be – at least, no doubt, a top five offense in the league. You can make a conversation that they could be the best offense in the league next year if they find an offensive line. Exactly. That is my thoughts to a T. And look, guess what, folks? We are entering a new era of quarterbacks, and they're all talented. I don't want to just hear that it's Josh Allen and it's Patrick Mahomes. There's all these quarterbacks now that really can give their teams an opportunity to get to the big game. And it's really just a roll the dice situation right now, season to season, I feel like. And so I don't think you can count the Bengals out. I think they could very well be back um, in this situation again next season. So get the man some help up front, please. Please get Joe Burrow some help. Okay? That's all I got to say. That's it. Love it. Farewell, folks. You have a great uh, week and be safe. Take care.